chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 is where we will get started this morning. It's really great to see all of you here today. Have a wonderful crowd with us. It's always good to be with God's people on the Lord's Day, worshiping and praising the God of wonders. So great to be here. Luke chapter 22 is where we'll begin here in a few short moments. A rooster crowed as Peter swore up and down that he never knew the man. The man of sorrows who is very, very familiar and very, very acquainted with grief. The man who is despised and rejected by other men. The man who in his darkest hour was forsaken and abandoned. A rooster crowed as Peter swore up and down that he never knew the man who was seized, who was led away, who was beaten, who was betrayed, and who was interrogated by a mob of angry Jews. Peter denied his Lord. And as he's denying his Lord, the Jewish religious leaders surround his Lord like bulls. They surround him like bulls and they're falsely accusing him. They're making all of these accusations. They're interrogating him and they open up their mouths like ravening and roaring lions and cry out to him, this man says that he's able to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. At this accusation, the man remains silent. Caiaphas, the high priest, cries out, do you have no answer to make? What is it that these men say against you? Is this true? The man remains silent. Caiaphas says, I adjure you by the living God. Are you the Christ? Are you the Son of God? And so the man breaks his silence and he says, You have said so. You have said so. And from this day forward, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power, riding on the clouds of heaven. And as Jesus spoke these words, Caiaphas is struck to the heart. He tears his robe and he cries out, Blasphemy! You have uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? We have heard his words. What is his sentence? crowd cries out, he deserves death. He deserves death. And so they seize him. They take him away. They blindfold him. They spit on him. And they strike him again and again and again and again. And as they're striking him, they're mocking him. Prophesy, if you're the son of God, tell us which one it is who struck you. They're striking him blow after blow after blow after blow until his appearance is so marred. His appearance is so marred that he doesn't even look human. They're striking him in the face, blow after blow after blow after blow, until his appearance is so marred that men turn and hide their faces from him. And as all of this is going on, Peter is in the courtyard, cursing and swearing for the third time that he doesn't know this man. Cock crows a second time, and the man turns and looks Peter dead in his face 
Peter remembers the words of the Lord in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse number 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Peter is sitting in that courtyard after having denied his Lord three times. He recalls these words, and he goes out and he weeps bitterly. Peter failed the test. He failed. He turned his back on God. He rejected his Savior. He denied his Lord. He failed the test and he hit rock bottom. But this morning, you and I both know that Peter didn't remain in that state. You and I both know that Peter was able to rise from the ashes. Jesus expected Peter to rise from the ashes. Christ did not expect Peter to remain in this bitter state. In Luke chapter 22, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded that he may have you sifted like wheat. But Jesus says, but Peter, I have prayed for you. And when you have returned, strengthen your brethren. Our Lord used the word when. Jesus said, when you have returned. Friends, when our Lord uses the word when, we can bank on the fact that something will happen. Peter would recover. Peter would return to the Lord. Peter would strengthen his brethren. Peter would rise from the ashes. And Peter would become the man, the preacher, the disciple, the rock, the the elder, the, the pillar in the church that God had called him to be. Peter would recover. When you return to me, strengthen your brethren. And so this morning, we ask ourselves, how? How was Peter able to rise from the ashes? How was Peter able to recover? How was Peter able to become the rock that God had called him to be? Peter was able to begin this trek by first remembering the words of the Lord. He remembered the words of the Lord. In Luke chapter 22, after he has denied his Lord thrice, and the cock has crowed twice, the text says in verse 61, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. When Peter had sinned, when he had hit rock bottom, he remembered the words of the Lord. 
He remembered that conversation that he and his disciple buddies had in the upper room with Jesus. He remembered how Jesus told Peter and the rest of the disciples that the shepherd will be struck and the sheep will scatter. He remembered how Jesus told he and the disciples that that he will be seized by the elders and the Jewish religious leaders and he will be led away. He would suffer many things and he would die and rise on the third day. Peter recalled to mind the words of Jesus after he had hit rock bottom. And he remembered how he once had so much faith and so much confidence. But Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon, this night will not end until you have denied that you know me three times. He remembered that when he was in his sorrowful, bitter state. And because he remembered these words, he was struck with tears. He wept bitterly. How? How did Simon become the man that God had called him to be after he had hit rock bottom? He remembered the words of the Lord, and when he recalled the words of the Lord, he wept bitterly. He grieved over his sins. The text says in Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, just after he remembers the words of the Lord, in verse 62, the Bible says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a a phrase that describes the most sorrowful kind of weeping. He wept bitterly. He was upset. He grieved. He mourned. He lamented. This is the kind of weeping that men and women weep over dead men. If you remember back in Luke chapter 8, Jairus' daughter has died and the entire household is weeping bitterly. In John chapter 11, uh, Lazarus has died and Lazarus' entire household is weeping bitterly. Here in Luke chapter 22, Peter is so upset, he's so disturbed, he's so ashamed over what he has done that he is weeping bitterly. He's weeping as one weeps for a dead man. What he had done caused him a tremendous amount of grief. How was Peter able to rise from the ashes after he had denied his Lord? He was able to rise from the ashes by remembering the words of the Lord, by grieving over his sins, and by eagerly seeking the Lord. He eagerly sought the Lord. As this story continues, Jesus is led away to, 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 to Pilate. Pilate couldn't find anything wrong with him. And so they take him to Herod. Herod couldn't find anything wrong with him. And so they drag him back to Pilate. Pilate still couldn't find anything wrong with him. He didn't want him to be crucified. But the people cried out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And so he's led away. He's beaten some more. He's spit at. He's slapped. He's mocked. And he's nailed to the cross. And he pours out his sin, his blood for the sins of the world. And so they take his body They wrap it in linen shrouds, and he's buried. Three days later, three women come to the tomb to pay their respects to Jesus. And when they get to that tomb, there is no body there. Literally, Jesus was not there. These women are astounded. And as they're making their way back home, they see these two men in dazzling white apparel. And the men say, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Jesus isn't here. He has risen. 
And so these women are so excited. They run back to their home where 11 of the apostles were gathered and they tell 11 of these apostles what they have seen. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 11, the women say to the apostles that Jesus has risen. In verse 11, the text says, but these words seem to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. The apostles don't believe these women. But look at verse 12. Verse 12, the text says, But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. These women tell 11 of the apostles that Jesus has risen. 10 of the 11 don't believe it. This woman is crazy. But the text says when Peter heard these words, he ran. He took off. He did not hesitate. He did not delay. He did not wait. He eagerly sought his Lord. How was Peter able to rise from the ashes after he had denied his Lord three times? He remembered the words of the Lord. He grieved over his sins and he eagerly sought his Lord. We see this desire again in John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, as as, uh, Jesus' disciples are out fishing, Christ is about to make himself manifest to them in the flesh once again. And the text says in verse number 4, as they're out on their boat fishing, in verse 4, the text says in, in John chapter 21, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. Pay attention to this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Verse 8, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but a hundred yards off. Peter and the disciples are out fishing. The Lord is on the shore. John notices that it's the Lord. He says, Peter, it's Jesus. And Peter immediately throws himself into the sea and he swims a hundred yards to be with his Savior. He eagerly sought the Lord. He didn't delay. He didn't wait. He didn't linger. He was excited to be with his God. And so as the story continues in the latter half of this text, Jesus asks Peter three different times if he loves him. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Simon, son of John, do do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then tend to my flock. Peter, do you love me? The text says that Peter grieved. Because the Lord asked him a third time, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. It's very, very interesting. Here in John chapter 21, Peter has three opportunities to confess his love for the Lord. And in Luke chapter 22, he denied his Lord three times. In Luke chapter 22, Peter failed the test. But here in John chapter 21, he passed the test. 
Peter was now at a point in his life when he was able to feed the flock of God. He was now at a point in his life where he was able to tend to the flock of God. Peter was now at a point in his life where he was able, as Jesus said he would be, to strengthen his brethren. Peter had now risen from the ashes and he was the man that God had called him to be. He was the rock that God had called him to be. Peter was ready to strengthen his brethren. And we see it all throughout the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, as Peter is surrounded by this mob of hostile Jews, he cries out to them, Men of Israel, hear these words. This Jesus of Nazareth, who who, who is attested to you by signs, wonders, and many miracles that were confirmed through him, this Jesus whom you have killed, God has raised him from the dead because he could not be held by death. And the text says in Acts chapter 2, when these Jewish religious leaders, when this crowd of people who had killed Jesus hear the words of Peter, the Bible says that they were pricked to their hearts. And they cry out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And the Bible says that day, about 3,000 souls were saved. This is the man who denied the Lord three times. This is the man who turned his back on God. This is the man who failed the test. And now in Acts chapter 2, he's preaching to a crowd full of people who 50 days prior had killed the Lord. He pricked their hearts with the word of God and 3,000 souls came to Christ. Peter strengthened his brethren. In Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4, just after he has healed this lame beggar, The Jewish religious leaders are very jealous. They're very upset that Peter has has drawn all of these people to him. He's preaching the gospel. Everyone is saying, what name are you doing these things in, Peter? Peter says, I'm doing these things in the name of Jesus. And there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Boldly, proudly, and confidently preaching the word of God. The man who formerly denied his Lord, is now strengthening his brethren. In Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 5, as Peter has been thrown into prison for preaching the word of God, an angel releases him out of prison and tells him, continue preaching the word of God. Peter continues to preach the word of God. The Jewish religious leaders say, didn't we tell you not to do that? Didn't we tell you to shut up? Didn't we tell you to not profess profess this Jesus fellow? And Peter says, Peter says, I can't but preach the word of God. I must obey God rather than men. The man who formerly disowned his Lord, the man who formerly denied his Lord, is saying to these Jewish religious leaders, I obey my Lord. I profess my Lord. I'm a man of God. Peter was a man who strengthened his brethren. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Peter had gotten to a point in his life where he was able to pen a letter to Christians who are suffering all over the world and tell them about his own experiences. 
1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, he says to those suffering Christians, be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Peter was a man who knew firsthand what it felt like to have Satan prowling around him, trying to devour him. Peter was a man who knew firsthand what it felt like to be sifted by Satan. And he says to these Christians in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Watch out for the devil. Stand firm in your faith. Know that Christians all over the world are suffering. And after you have suffered just a little while, the God of all grace who has called you into His eternal glory will Himself perfect confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Peter was a man who knew firsthand what it felt like to be perfected, to be confirmed, to be strengthened, and to be established by the Lord after he had suffered a little while, after he had been tempted by the devil. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Peter was encouraging those brethren, telling them about his own experiences. Do you see it? You get the point I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make. Though Peter turned his back on God, though he denied his Lord, though he failed the test, he didn't remain in that state. Christ didn't expect him to remain in that state. He rose from the ashes. And he was able to rise from the ashes by remembering his Lord, by grieving over his sins, by eagerly seeking the Lord. And he got to a point in his life where he was able to strengthen his brethren. He was able to use his weaknesses, his mistakes, his sins, his shortcomings as a testimony to Christians who are suffering all over the world. And today is March the 3rd, 2019, and we must do the same. We must do the same because just like Peter, we too will be sifted like wheat. All of us have been sifted like wheat. All of us have, have, have had our faith put to the test. And ladies and gentlemen, quite frankly, all of us have failed that test. We fail the test each and every time we sin. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have been sifted and all of us have failed that test. But friends, just just as Christ did not expect Peter to remain in that state of failure, just as Christ did not expect Peter to remain in that state of weakness, God, Christ, and the Spirit do not, they do not expect us to remain in our state of failure. God and Christ expect us to use our weaknesses, to use our sins, to use our shortcomings as a testimony to a world that is dying spiritually. And the only way that we can do that is if we, just like Peter, pick ourselves up and rise from the ashes. And the only way that we can do that is by remembering the words of the Lord. Peter remembered the words of the Lord, and we must remember the words of the Lord. The words of the Lord are powerful. It was the Word of God, as Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 states, that created the heavens and the earth. The Word of God was in the beginning, as John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through the Word. The Word was in the beginning. The Word 
Word is the Creator, and the Word came to this earth full of grace and truth. He came to this earth in flesh and blood, and He spoke words that, as Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 states, were sharper than any two-edged sword. He spoke words that were able to discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Friends, the Word of God is powerful. And when we hit rock bottom, remember those words. Remember those words that Jesus spoke. Remember those words that pierced the heart. Remember those words that changed lives. Remember those words that created the ends of the earth. Remember those words that were in the beginning with God the Father and the Spirit from the very, very beginning of time. Remember those words. If we want change to happen in our lives, if we want to rise from the ashes, recall the words of God. Yes, yes, God's Word tells me that the wages of sin is death. But God's Word also tells me that the free gift of God is eternal life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Yes, yes, God's Word tells me that we are weak, fallible human beings who deserve to die. But the Bible also tells me that Christ Jesus has saved our wretched bodies from death. Romans chapter 7 and verse 25. Yes, Yes, God's Word tells me that we are ungodly sinners who, who deserve the wrath of God. We are weak creatures who are, uh, who are just horrible and awful and can't do anything on our own. Yes, yes, that's what God's Word tells me. But the Bible also tells me in Romans chapter 5 that while we were still weak, while we were in this sorrowful state, while we were in this wretched state, Christ died for the ungodly. Yes, God's Word tells me that I'm a sinner who deserves to die. But God's Word also tells me about redemption. God's Word also tells me about hope. God's Word also tells me about forgiveness. God's Word also tells me about life. And so the point that I'm trying to make is, God's words are powerful. God's words spoke this world into existence. God's Word came to this earth in flesh and blood. And so we must remember those words. And when we remember those words, we too may have the strength and the courage and the confidence to rise from the ashes, just as Peter did. But not only that, we, like Peter, must grieve over our sins. We must be upset over what we have done. Our sins and our mistakes and our shortcomings should bother us. Because each and every time we sin, it is as as if we are putting Jesus up on that cross again and again and again and putting him to open shame. It was my hypocrisy that betrayed him in his darkest hour. It was my hatred and my anger that slapped him and that struck him and that mocked him and that beat him. It was my self-righteousness that put that scarlet robe on his back. It was my arrogance that placed that crown of thorns on his head. It was my sins, my shortcomings, my mistakes, and all of the horrible, awful, ungodly things that I have done that had my Lord raised up on a cross, hanging between the twilights of two worlds to pour out his blood for me. It was what I have done that caused that to happen, and for that reason, I Weep bitterly. I'm upset over what I have done. I'm ashamed about what I have done. And when I get to this point in my life, 
when I recognize what my sins cost the Lord, then I am on the right track. Then I am about to rise from the ashes. Then I am about to be in a place where I'm able to strengthen my brethren. I must remember the words of the Lord. I must grieve over my sins. And I must eagerly seek the Lord. I must eagerly seek the Lord. After I've sinned, after I've hit rock bottom, I must have a strong and uncontrollable desire to be with God and to be with God's people. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who would what? Draw near to God. Must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who what? Diligently seek Him. If we want to draw near to God, and if we want to diligently seek the Lord, then we must believe that He exists. And the only way that we can believe that He, is, he exists is by spending time in His Word. With, uh, the, the Bible says that, that we know the Word of God. Faith, with faith, we can know the Word of God. Knowing the Word of God gives us faith. That is how we are going to believe that the Lord exists. We must draw near to God. Spend time reading His Word. Spend time studying. Spend time praying. Spend time with God's people. Seek every opportunity to be with the Lord. That is how we rise from the ashes. That is how we become the people that God has called us to be. In in Psalm 63, Psalm 63 The psalmist paints a beautiful picture of the type of desire that we should have for the Lord. The verse that I was formerly trying to recall is Romans 10.17. Romans 10.17. But Psalm 63 and verse 1. The Bible says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. That's the type of desire that we must have for the Lord. We must thirst for the Lord. We must pant for the Lord. We must bless the Lord as long as we live. We must lift up our hands to the Lord. We must praise the Lord. We must remember Him upon our bed. We must meditate on Him in the watches of the night. Our souls must cling to Him. That is how we rise from the ashes after we have sinned. And we have gotten to a point in our lives where we are able to strengthen our brethren. Peter rose from the ashes and he got to a point in his life when he was able to strengthen his brethren. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He pierced the hearts of sinful men. 
He went about dissolving racial, social, and political barriers with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He went about shepherding the flock of God. He went about tending to the sheep of God. He went about encouraging God's people with his experiences. Ladies and gentlemen, we must do the same. Because all of us have experienced sin. All of us have failed the test, but we have not remained in that state. All of us have been hard-pressed on every side, but we have not been destroyed. We have been perplexed, but we have not been abandoned. We have been struck down, but we have not been destroyed. We are still here. We are here today, this Sunday morning, still praising God, still glorifying God, still honoring God, still magnifying the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have not remained in that state. And so, since we have risen from the ashes, may we, just as Peter did, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ boldly and confidently, as Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 states. May we, as Peter did, pierce the hearts of sinful men, as Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 states, with the Word of God. May we, as Peter did, dissolve racial, social, and political barriers and preach the gospel to Jews and Gentiles, to men and women, to those who are black and to those who are white, to those who are Asian, to those who are in the uttermost parts of the earth. May we, as Peter did, use our testimony to shepherd the flock of God, to tend to the sheep. And may we, as Peter did, encourage suffering Christians Christians who are down and out all over the world and lift them up by our example, our testimony, and our faith. May we do that. May we do that. We've risen from the ashes, and now God expects us to strengthen our brethren. I'm going to close with the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5. In verse number 6. Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. We praise you, we glorify you, and we magnify your awesome name. Thank you so much for sending Christ to this earth to suffer and to die and to rise for us. Thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy. We pray that when we hit rock bottom, when we sin, when we fail the test, that we will have the mind to rise from the ashes 
and become the men and women that you have called us to be. And we pray that we will be able to use our example as a testimony to those who are suffering around us. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, this is the perfect opportunity to become one. You do that by hearing the word of God, believing the word of God, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, confessing that belief before all men, repenting and turning away from your sins and having your sins buried within the watery grave of baptism, rising forth, walking in newness of life. That is how you become a Christian. 